on this week's episode was CES up to snuff in 2023. Megan charms her way to success. And is Vince McMahon's return to the WWE a good thing? All this more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports, Fantasy Football, the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our fantastic shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome to Pop Culture in the year of 2023. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do whatever it is that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, Vampires and Vitae, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Game Source, The Lakers Fast Break, Demolition Force, of course, what we do on Pop Culture Cosmos all over, including covering the latest news and trends in pop culture every single day at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. And if you can catch all that every single day, and like and share and subscribe and tell a friend that if they want the best in pop culture, just check us out at the Pop Culture Cosmos. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. She is the mistress of tarot card reading for everything. <laughs> Vampires and Vitae, plus also as well, Wizards and Wine with Wild Beyond the Witchlight. You got to go ahead and check out her adventures today at Vampires and Vitae and also as well, Wizards and Wine on YouTube. It is my good friend. It is Melinda Parkhouse Ross and Melinda. Happy New Year, my friend. Happy New Year. Just great to have you back on board. Yeah, thrilled to be here. Also, why is the chair for the Monday show more comfortable than my chair for the Friday show? What is that about? Uh, budgetary cuts. <laughs> is that what it was? <laughs> I'm going to, yeah, I mean, that seems to be the, the excuse for last year for all these streaming companies cutting shows, especially HBO, who we'll yeah. talk about later in the program. So I just figured I'd use that. Okay. All right. I mean, that's fair enough, I guess. I just have to work my way up to the Monday show then. All right. Fair enough. No, no. That we treat both the same here. <laughs> They're both equal in my eyes. I tease. I tease. They're both equal in ratings. They're both <laughs> equal in radio stations distributed to. So I'm just uniquely happy to have you back here. Thank you so much for covering on the Monday show because Josh is out on paternity leave. So we hope everything goes well with his impending birth of his next child. Hopefully everything will go well there. But happy to have you here, my friend. But on the show today, we'll be talking about Megan surprising at the box office it's not too surprising to me after what has gone down with megan and the trailer that came out that went so viral but we'll talk about that and the surprise success to many coming up here in a bit we'll also be talking some great things including avatar closing in on the two billion dollar mark vince mcmahon returning to the wwe board of directors what does that mean HBO, in the midst of cutting all these shows and movies and cartoons, speaking of animation, they cut a whole bunch of Looney Tunes out of HBO Max. One thing they are going to be debuting is Velma, the animated series, and The Last of Us. So I do want to hear your thoughts on that. Plus, Gladiator 2 is now a go. They have hired a lead for the sequel to Gladiator. Should this be a thing? We'll talk about that on the show as well. But first, my friend, you had a question before we went on the air, or maybe as we went on the air, I think it slipped in there, was when did we need to talk about headsets? Yes. Well, you know what? For the consumer electronic industry, that is this episode. We'll wrap up everything CES. CES was attended by 100,000 people this year, which is actually considerably down, about half of what normally would do it's about usually around 175 200,000 before the pandemic started but it's great to see people live and in person and obviously seeing all the booths and exhibits i was a little underwhelmed by what i saw as far as what these manufacturers are putting out there i mean a lot of robotics still a lot of electronics a lot of uh, technology is being put in there 
but as far as advancements or anything, as far as the hot new tech, there's really no hot new tech to speak of right now that people are just like running over to. I wanted to see a little bit more than I thought. Uh, I mean, with, with us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, I always lean towards the video game world. I know My Arcade is now bringing out a whole bunch of uh, Atari-related products as uh, far as the handheld and a little small game station with which uh between uh that holds between 100 to 200 atari games that's great and all but i just got finished with atari the anniversary collection on my xbox and that kicked butt and that was one of the best games of 2022 so i don't know how interested i was in that and the fact that the atari vcs that atari itself put out at 400 bucks didn't sell a lick and they discontinued that that shows to me, I don't know how much of a market there is yet for Atari. I think the Atari brand is still great as far as selling its name off, but I think it should start looking into making new games for themselves. They, they, they did a little bit of that in the Atari, the anniversary collection. I just think they need to do a little bit more of that instead of just selling their name out whenever they can. Yeah, I think that's one of the things, though, that some of those... Um you know, nostalgia brands are getting better at doing is, is leaning into the nostalgia. And I think that the, the more they monetize it, perhaps the less nostalgic we're going to feel about it. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I think that you, you really can't go wrong with the Atari brand and, and trying to bring uh, pieces of those, you know, Saturday morning after cartoons have turned off, you've had your last bowl of Fruit Loops and you are ready. Your friends are coming over. They're bringing a bunch of junk food. You're going to have a pop and chip party and everybody's going to play some video games together. Yeah, but the thing is, after the great success of Atari, the anniversary collection, which went out to all major consoles, my arcade is now asking you to go ahead and play it on a handheld player and to play it on a micro player. And I'm not sure that's going to go ahead and fly. I mean, it's obviously going to be very budgetary priced, so that's a good, decent thing right there for you. But compared to what you can easily get on any available console that you have already, I think it's going to be a hard ask for people to go ahead and go and get that too. Plus, I wanted to go ahead and mention Arcade One Up, who is always a favorite of mine to going to go ahead and check out. They're now knee deep into, pardon the pun, getting into the tall, full size consoles, but now they're regurgitating all the IPs they already have rights to in just a full-size manner as opposed to what they had before which is just the the half size and you have to buy a riser to put onto it i really think that it's not that exciting for me when i go there and i see oh yay the arcade one-up machines they're just getting more expensive because they're just getting taller which is something i think a lot of people wanted in the first place they wanted the full-size arcade machine in the first place but now they're going to have to pay close to a thousand dollars for it that I think is going to be a tough ask. They did get a, you know, and I know this came as a little bit of a surprise, but here in Vegas, they came with a slot machine with the Wheel of Fortune, which is the most popular, you know, I guess, uh, slot machine that's out there as far as the IP is concerned. The Wheel of Fortune IP has been very successful in slots worldwide, and they now made that a home version, which... I don't know what that does for you because it's not going to put out any money for you. So that, that would be a tough ask for them to go ahead. Oh yeah, we're going to get, make this home slot machine, but it, you know, could also pay you money. Now I, legally they can't do that, but it's just disappointing because there's money on the table that they have to go ahead and put out, but there's money on the table that they can get if they just spoke to Nintendo, if they played, uh, you know, nice, nice with Nintendo and got a, the whole line of Nintendo games onto an arcade one-up platform or, it, you know, with the WWE, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, they, they got the rights to some of those old arcade games. That, I think, is the direction they need to go to next. Yeah, and, and I think that all of that makes sense. But I do think that you are overlooking one particular type of consumer when you're talking about the Atari small handheld device. Mm -hmm. And that is uh, dads who are in the bathroom. Okay. And I'm being completely serious about it because I think about it now. You take your phone to the bathroom and you play a game and two hours go by and your legs are now asleep. So why not? I mean, I could see the little Atari equipped 
yes, sure. But if you want specific Atari and you have the little gadget, then why not? You can actually download the Atari, the anniversary collection onto the Nintendo Switch. Yeah, but what if you don't have a Switch? What if you don't want one? There's a hundred plus million of them out there. Who doesn't have one? I don't, I don't. I don't, okay. I don't I don't have one. All right, I'll talk to Nintendo <laughs> on that there. Okay. I'll talk to Nintendo. We'll see what happens. Okay. Or got some great friends at Retro City Games. Big shout out to them and hope they have a great 2023. So we'll see. Absolutely. Uh, I just think with it, when it comes to Atari, you know, they're it's I love Atari, but their their nostalgia and the love and the name value only goes so far with people, I think. And so we'll see what happens with, with Mar Arcade, but Overall, CES, the technology, what was shown was nice, but it was just welcome to have them back. It wasn't exactly, I think, a, a home run by any stretch of the imagination. But before we head on out, my friend, it is time to go ahead and talk about some things when it comes to THT audio. So what I'm going to do first is coming up after the break, I'm going to have my interview that I had at CES with the head of Think Right Technologies, THT Audio. That's Mike Garina. He was with me at CES talking about his entire line of products. So I'm really happy to go ahead and have him on the show talking about that. We recorded it live at CES. So this is my conversation coming up after the break with Mike Garina, the CEO of TWT Audio, Think Right Technologies Audio, their whole line of headsets, and then afterwards, you and I can share some thoughts on it right after the break. How does that sound? Sounds great. All right. Once again, it's the Pop Culture Cosmos, my interview with Mike Garina, the CEO of TWT Audio. That comes up after the break. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. Thanks again for joining us. I'm live at CES at Showstoppers. I'm right here at the TWT Audio Think Right Technology. I'm here with Mike Arena. He is the founder and the man behind TWT Audio. Great to have you here once again. Thank you so much for allowing me to go ahead and, and see the great line of stuff. You sent us three awesome products in the line, including the Victory 250 XG, which has been such an amazing thing for us because I want to say great value gaming headset. How about that? That's great. Yeah, we, we don't want to be seen as a budget brand. I think we want to we want to give a high quality experience. Yeah. But something that everybody can buy. Yeah. Everyone absolutely. everyone can have access to, especially you know gamers. You know, not every gamer can spend two hundred dollars, three hundred dollars on a headset. Exactly. We wanted to give them the best option for that, and you know with that particular model, it's interesting because we we tuned it for gaming. We tuned it most for headphones to music. You know, we're audiophile guys, but that one we didn't even put through the music. We we put it on footsteps we did all the foley effects we did everything to find out to enhance and to maximize that that have set so it's a it's great for gaming as a really primary function well also i just want to let you know i've been using it for streaming and podcasting purposes i actually let it allowed it to go ahead and, and do a couple of our uh, sister shows the lakers fast break so our live laker post games i've done with the actual unit people have talked about it and told me off how great it sounds and then I tell them the price, they're amazed. Well, the, we use the same microphone on all our products. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, a, it's a really strong, just good sounding microphone. So if you get the 250XG, you get our 210, which is the sister product of that same build, built for more uh, standard use. The 220? Uh, the 220, the 210, uh, the 110, you yes. know, uh, that's our on-ear kind of ergo headphone. And then the 300 series is our Revo series, which is brand new. Mm -hmm. That's going to have a, a headset version as well that will have similar quality. Awesome. And I'll tell you what, I know my, my compadre that when you sent me the line, Jamie's had a great time with the TW220s, and Melinda has had a great time with just the headphones themselves. Yeah. Just actually the just sheer sound has been amazing on all the headsets so far. Yeah, so we, we, uh, we have a secret weapon in our company, a gentleman named Mark Hallett. He, uh, if you go look him up, he he was the engineer on Jackson Brown's Pretender. Really? He worked with Elton John. He's worked with Linda Ronstadt, Graham Parker. 
he also, his company that did television uh, sound did all the Spongebob episodes, especially the early stuff, a lot of the Nickelodeon. He's actually an Emmy winner. Very nice. And he's built studios. So now he's taken all that experience and puts it into these little headphones and makes studios in your head. Well, that's awesome. I can see the preparation, just the fact that you're the first booth that's up and running, ready to go here at Showstoppers. It just tells me how great the TWT audio is in their preparation, attention to detail, and so much more. We do, you know, we, we really try to and, and look at every detail of the headphone and look at, you know, a, each kind of model is, we think is the best it can be. So, you know, we don't do 10 on-ear headphones. You know, yeah. we try to do one that's that's solid. Everyone's got to be comfortable. It's going to have to have some durability. It's got to be great sounding. And it's, you know, it's going to have to have some, uh, you know, some ability to, to last. Like I said, the dur durability is something we focus on early on because a lot of our early products, uh, the, the lines are really, uh, education was our biggest market. Mm -hmm. And you can imagine, you know, you have to be, those have to last. So if they can last with a, uh, uh, with a six-year-old, they can last with anybody. Well, I've tried the Revo and I tried the TWT220. Uh, yep. I also tried the 250XG, spent a lot of time with that. One thing I want to correlate as well is that the fact that all three units are very lightweight, yep. which is extremely important to me because I've, I've reviewed and tested dozens and dozens of headphones and the way to me especially because the fact that i can get headaches because yeah. of the pressure yeah. is just amazing it's so helpful that they're so lightweight and i know you can't you can't see see this but we actually uh the, the 300 itself mm -hmm. we've created uh as a modular headphone mm -hmm. and so you know the the design though with the with the uh with the plaques we use and and the material every all the materials again it's about comfort right mm -hmm. comfort's about it staying on your head and not want to take it off. Of course. And so, you know, it's not just in the cushions, but it's also, like I said, the weight, the distribution, and it's really important to us uh, that, that we can do that. Well, I'll tell you what, it's been so amazing to get the chance and opportunity ahead of line to check out the entire product line as far as what we were given. We're just so thankful and blessed that we have been able to go ahead and test it out. All three units have been great. What's ahead and up the road for DWT Audio? It's funny you should ask that. So we, uh, one of the one of the things we're doing is we're looking at the consumer market. Mm -hmm. So a lot of our products, like I said, kind of originated with with schools, kind of on the more the the, the value budget side of things because there is a ceiling there. We're going to be introducing some uh, some products that are a little bit on the higher side. Mm -hmm. We're going to have a Bluetooth headset coming out. Nice. It's going to be based on the Revo build. We also have uh, another gaming headset, mm -hmm. and this one actually look—it's got—it's going to have textures on it that looks like you were just in the war. Looks and great. So, and then we have uh, going to have a pro uh, audio one. It's going to be more of an audio file, and so those will have probably 50 millimeter drivers, you know, tuned up for really an, uh, enhanced listening. Are those for ship later this year? Those will be the—we're uh, we're targeting Q2 this year for those. Okay, because yep. that's yeah, that's when people that bring in in products from all over the world. For Showstopper CES, a lot of that's being introduced for later this year, giving us a sneak peek today. Just great to see what you've got so far. Yeah, yeah, and you know, we spend a lot of time on the audio, and we, we go through an organic process. So when we tune our audio, we're making, you know, we're, we're putting holes in the drivers and porting them, and sometimes to the the umpteenth millimeter to get the sound we want. So right now we're in the process of, of tuning all these new headphones and, and going through that process of getting you know the best sound we can out of them. So Mike, I'm gonna hand it over to you as far as the last and final words uh, on this. You gotta go ahead and give people out there the hard sell, as I always say. I've told people out the value, the quality, the performance so far. I've had a great time with the headset line that we've been the grateful opportunity to go ahead and review. You gotta tell people why TWT Audio is the place to go for their next headset line or whatever it is, whether it's gaming or more. Yeah, I, I think, like I said, I, I, for me, it's, it's it's all about value at a, at a high quality. Yeah. And being, have something that you can have on all day, be comfortable, lightweight, and great sounding. If you want that and you want to find something that you're not going to break the bank, like we said, maybe you can buy some more music with the stuff that you buy from us. I think our products fit the bill and it reaches a demographic. You know, my 18 year old self probably couldn't afford a $300 headphone, yeah. but I could have afforded one of our products and been very happy with the quality we got out of it. And I'll tell you what, you know, whether you are looking at a higher end or even something that is more value driven, this is something people actually, as far as the whole TWT audio line, needs to really look into. Absolutely. Look at our products. We've got 
three lines of products. One of them's gonna fit whatever your needs are. And it's great too, because if, if again, if all you're doing is going on Zoom all day, we got a great product for that. If you're a gamer, we got a product for that. Or if you just want to immerse yourself in good audio, sounding audio with your music, we got products for that. Oh, that's awesome indeed. Well, Mike Arena, just great to have you here. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me. I'll tell you what, as those products come out, if you want to come back on the show, we can always do a Zoom. We can always go ahead and put you back on for as much time as you need to talk about the great TWT audio products. We'd love to come back on once we have our Bluetooth and our, and our, our pro gaming. I think those will all be great things to, to chat about. Where would you like these people to go, the people that need a better headset in their lives, where to go for TWT audio? So you can find them on Amazon.com. Later this year, probably in, in March, April, we'll have them available directly from us on our website. But for now, the best place is Amazon.com. Just if they got Prime, they can get shipping, leave a review, we'll appreciate it. Awesome. Great. Thanks again so much for being part of the Pop Culture Cosmos Thanks, today. Gerald. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with the show. It's the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Melinda Barkhouse Ross and me, Gerald Glassford. I want to thank so much again, Mike Arena, the CEO of TWT Audio, a awesome consumer value-driven line of headphones if you want to go ahead and check out what they're doing today go ahead to twt audio and then also as well you can go ahead just type in twt audio or think right technologies on amazon they got a ton of headsets right there for you including the victory 250 xg right here that i'm actually have if you like how this sounds this costs 40 bucks melinda 40 bucks stop it it's a good sounding headset i'm impressed yeah, yeah at that price point are you kidding me right now yeah absolutely so i really have a great time with this 250xg the victory gaming headset from think right technologies it's available right now on amazon i'll provide a link in the description on both audio and video for this i do want to ask though that you've had a great time with your own set of twt headphones Please share me your thoughts on everything that you've been able to experience with your ThinkRite. Yeah, so I grabbed just a headphone set, so there's no microphone involved in it. You got the Revo TW300. They're legit. They're really good. And I I wouldn't be surprised if you start to see, and I know that they're not intended for this by any means. And I think the cord is a little bit too short. If they extended that cord, they could easily start breaking into dealing with traditional radio like terrestrial radio stations to carry their headphones they were they're really good they're solidly built and they have noise cancellation in them but it's not so bad that somebody is going to sneak up behind you and scare you if you're working in a room and not like your husband yeah i mean not that it's ever happened you know no he would never be tempted to no no it's not a thing he would ever do (laughs) but they're really, really good. I use them. I've been producing like a tarot card poll a day on the Vampires and Vitae TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. So I've been using those headphones exclusively to do all of my editing for those videos. And I'm just, I'm super impressed. Like these ones here, these are Panasonic's. I can't even remember the price point, but they were cheap enough that I bought like seven sets of them at once. And the headphones from TWT absolutely blow them out of the water. They're, and those are 30 bucks that you're talking about. Yeah, they're so good. 10 out of 10, do recommend, especially with that price point. That's 10 out of 11. No, 11 out of 10. There. All right. Go well, get that's them. awesome to hear. Yeah, I mean... they're really good. Like I said, I did find the, the cord a little on the short side. I would like like another two feet of cord. But if you're just sitting stationary and you're using them uh, while you stream or while you play, uh, while you're gaming or anything like that, you should be fine. Oh, awesome. Awesome sound. And I know I did talk to Jamie as well about his time with the TW220s, the pro headsets, and he absolutely loves it. Clear sound, mm-hmm. great sound as far as the audible end of it. Uh, he uses a lot for his streaming and obviously his game playing because he's always worried because he plays a lot of multiplayer and he worries about people coming up from behind on him as far as in the game and all that. So yeah, he can actually listen to sounds. They've actually, as I talked to Mike, if you, as you hear in the interview, they actually crafted the gaming headsets to go ahead and specifically target those sounds as far as the audio end to go ahead and, and detail on that. So yeah, just definitely a, a great, a great set of headphones, great line of headphones 
for the budgetary price, the value-driven price that's out there, I mean, what, we're talking about 40 and 30 and 30. I mean, these are great values right now available on Amazon. Scoop them up. Scoop them up in the... <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for one of those Melinda closeout lines before oh. I go. <laughs> yeah, no, they're just, they're they're very good. Uh, and the price point is... Uh... I mean, it's it's one of those situations where it seems like the deal is too good to be true, but the the craft and the quality is certainly there behind these products. They're really good. Once again, it is TWT Audio, aka Think Right Technologies. They've got great headsets. Again, the ones that we tried out were the Revo headphones, TW three hundreds. That was Melinda Barkhouse Ross checking them out, and Jamie. Monroy got a chance to check out the TW220s, the Ultra Durable Pro headsets, and I got a chance to check out the Victory 250 XG gaming headset. In fact, that's what I'm talking to you right now on. So if you like any of these headsets, go ahead and check it out at thinkright.com or go ahead and just type in TWT Audio or Thinkright, T-H-I-N-K-W-R-I-T-E on Amazon, and it comes up right there for you. Very great deal, a very great value. And again, just a great time talking to Mike Arena. Cannot thank him enough for spending the time with me at CES this year. And I'm hoping that CES will once again be even larger than before. Again, it's still 100,000. So a lot of conventions out there would love to have 100,000 people. But in order for the consumer electronics industry to really get strong again to where it needs to get, I think we need to get back to that 175, 200,000 interest level once again. It's so, so weird going CES week and traveling through Las Vegas and having such an easy time navigating through the streets, especially the strip, because CES is supposed to be the worst time to do so. So it's kind of weird. Having the West Hall as a new hall was a really added bonus. A lot of great things were there as far as on the car audio end, but I think the really weirdest time I had was when I was pointed from the central hall, I said, I need to get to press. So they sent me to a small substation. You go down the substation, then you get in an electric car and they take you via underground tunnel right through underneath about, I'd say about half mile, maybe a mile. And it gets you right there to the brand new West hall facing Las Vegas Boulevard. So yeah, all that was really cool. It was very interesting. But yeah, it's also all, all very different, but it always is CES. I'm looking forward to more great CES. I've been to over 25 now. And again, even though this was a little bit, little bit on the down low, I'm hoping for better things in the future from CES. Oh, here's a question for you. Is there mm-hmm. technology that you've seen over your 25 visits to CES that you've mm-hmm. now seen adopted and become like more standardized through yeah. consumer electronics? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. I, I remember when everybody fell in love, the year everybody fell in love with the Android boxes and everybody and their grandmother had an Android box. Right. Yeah, that, that went the way mm-hmm. of the dodo. But I think the the t- TV technology, the fact that I was there, obviously, when they introduced 720, 1080. Right, right. But it wasn't until 4K that you could really see a pop in colors. Mm-hmm. And once you started seeing, it first started out with the cameras and started out with high-end production companies there that were selling their stuff and wares to television stations and electronic companies at CES. That you saw right away as far as a pop. But once they built TVs that were price efficient for consumers to afford and they became, I don't want to say like candy, but they became the norm. Mm-hmm. That to me, you saw that evolution change from year to year to year, something that was rare, something that was introduced to something that is now part of the norm. I think that's probably the best way I could say it. That evolution of the television probably is the biggest thing I've seen over the course of my 25 plus years at CES. Cool. Even when it comes down to the streamer, when you go to CES, there is really is something there for just about everybody. Absolutely. I, and mm-hmm. I'm just waiting for that next big thing, I guess. But yeah, what is available now for consumers out there, if, if you want to pay for it, is definitely there for you. I mean, the technology, the fact that we can now do things from our home that we couldn't even imagine 10, 15 years ago is just amazing. So we're obviously in a great place, but I think we're in a steady place right now as far as technology. I'm still waiting for that next big thing. I'm hoping it happens soon. 
at CES. But still, a good time. But if you have thoughts on CES and what you liked and didn't like or what was announced and what you had hoped to have been announced at CES, please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. And if you're ready to talk toys, I haven't stopped talking toys. Let's get to it. It's the Jay and Rob Toy Show, and we're back for season two for 10 more episodes of Toy Talking Goodness. And this time, we talk Marvel figures, we talk DC figures, holy grails, play sets, what if scenarios, and so much more. But we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that, and of course, our action figure spotlight. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show season two exclusively on Jinx Esports TV Canada. Well, one half hour down, one half hour to go here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Melinda Barkhouse Ross from Vampires and Vitae and Wizards and Wine, Wild Beyond the Witchlight. And of course, me, Gerald Glassford here as well. Want to go ahead and talk about the box office real quick. Two quick things to note. Not only number one is obviously Avatar, The Way of Water, you know, holding as much as the first one has. It's not gotten that super tremendous, huge domestic number, but it's well over $400 million domestic because it just keeps on doing numbers day after day after day, just like the first one. And worldwide, especially that international audience, it's just eaten it up. It's over $1.5 billion right now. And it looks like by the end of the month, it'll hit $2 billion. Your thoughts on Avatar? James Cameron has announced that it is now broke even. So, okay, which is you know pretty Good. hard yeah. to do, you know, yeah. at a billion and a half. And yeah, it's now broken even. So now he's able to go ahead and get the other Avatars greenlit. Your thoughts on Avatar on its way to $2 billion? I am not surprised in the least to see this uh, movie doing this much and uh, doing this well and consistently yeah. doing it. I'm really not surprised. Another movie I want to talk about is Megan, a modernization of the child play yeah. type deal where a robot uh, is attached to a little girl and you know wants to protect the little girl and does so at any cost. Megan, with all of her funky dance moves, which already had trended on TikTok and social media, that movie seemed to me like it was going to be an overperformer, especially for a month like January, which usually has a bunch of stinkers and it's very slow. I thought that movie was going to overperform. It's grown to be the case where it's going to do about close to $30 million in its first weekend, which was actually uh, much more, almost double what the studio had predicted. So your thoughts on Megan, is she too creepy for you? Like, I mean, yeah, it's it's not a it's not a movie that I'm probably going to see, to be honest. Everything Hi, that I've Melinda, read about you're it, you're my friend. Oh my god, it's so creepy. But you know, everything that I've read, uh, the trailers that I've watched, and, and stuff like this, it feels like a warning about artificial intelligence coming into our homes and forming those like technological bonds with people. And uh, you know, I. I just see it going bad before it goes good. Does that make sense? And maybe I'm being pessimistic about the evolution of that technology. I don't know, but there's just something about it. Hi, Melinda. I'm Megan and I want to be your friend. Oh, don't do it. It's bad enough that I, you know, feel friendship towards the AI generated chats that you can get into. I'm like, good morning. Can you help me write a really great encounter featuring mind flayers for a D&D campaign and it helps me do that. I don't want to say you become dependent on it, but you I certainly find myself going back to it and looking for input and I'm like, yeah, you know, I am on the right track. Thanks AI. You're the greatest. You're the greatest too, Melinda. <laughs> so it's so creepy uh, though. Oh my and God. then as it looks creepily at Robbie Ready yeah, to go right? ahead and strike. But when it comes to Megan, you know, the, like I said, it, her dancing was trending on TikTok almost as much as, of course, Wednesday on Netflix. You know, that dance has gone mm. crazy all over social media. So we may see a new line of Megan movies coming up in the future just because of what went on this weekend at the box office. Oh, my goodness. And they have to be getting ready to merchandise dolls that oh, are like Megan. They have Here to, you know. right? Yeah, absolutely. That's a... Next step in the evolution, yeah, Megan dolls, Megan costumes. Oh my gosh, yeah. yeah. Oof. Right. She wants to be your friend. <laughs> but what are your thoughts out there on Megan scoring well at the box office and Avatar closing in on the big two billion? Please let us know your thoughts. Pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com. 
Well, my friend, there's still a little bit more to talk about on today's program. Wanted to go ahead and talk about Vince McMahon, who, as I spoke to my good friend, Mr. John Orlando on the PVD cast at the time, all the controversy and all the, the things that went down, the lawsuits, the stuff behind the scenes with the shareholders and the board of directors and all that, and Vince McMahon being forced to retire, quote unquote. I was asked by John at the time, you think this is going to last? You think he's going to stay out of business? And I said, this is wrestling. I believe I said something, I'm paraphrasing myself. In the world of professional wrestling, no one retires, especially him. It's his company. It was a company that he took over from his father. There's no way he's going to give up total control for any length of time. And sure enough, he overrode the board of directors, put himself back onto the board of directors. And supposedly it's only to oversee an impending sale or impending rights for new television deal, which is the television deal with its current USA and Fox that's coming up here pretty soon. But it's also could be as uh, what has been pointed out for a potential sale of the entire company itself. So he's over, you know, he's supposedly on the board of directors just for that and not in a creative role. Your thoughts on Vince McMahon after all the controversy coming back to the wwe i don't think he ever left i think he was always a phone call away but yeah it's now kind of official now yeah i i mean i wouldn't be surprised if he's been going into the office all of this time and we've just been told that he wasn't to be completely honest because you don't really have the wwe wwf however or whatever you want to call it you don't really have that unless you have at least a mcmahon specifically a vince at the helm of it i mean look what he did uh, with wrestling in the late 90s early thousands you know it, it was it was the show yeah absolutely and obviously he also transformed it as far as the business concerned in the mid 80s with hulkamania yeah and, uh, actually being the pioneer behind that the engineer running that mm-hmm. and yeah it, it just seems like to me it was just something that's his life that's his legacy. And there's no way he's going to let his legacy be sold off or major decisions down the line without him being directly involved somehow. And I knew it was going to be just more than he's going to call his daughter, who is one of the co-CEOs of the company, just saying, hey, you need to do this. This I knew it needed to be something more. And in fact, again, in the world of professional wrestling, retirements never stick. And I knew this one was yeah and and i think that any kind of sale or new agreement or or whatever the case is that they're looking at anything without his signature on it just feels disingenuous i think is the word i'm looking for it it almost wouldn't seem right or correct all of those controversies aside yeah that's um, what i was going to ask i mean because you say that and there's been all those terrible things that have been documented and things he tried to put into as far as giving hush money to women that they tried to cover up and didn't tell the stockholders or the board of directors about that they actually had to do an investigation on him, which caused the forced retirement in the first place. And I don't know. It's not a great look, but it's not a look that I did not expect. It, I, knew, I was expecting something like this to happen you know, yeah. somewhere in the back line. And please don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not giving Vince McMahon a, a pass by any means. I, I'm simply saying in, in his business dealings it it there's just something that doesn't seem correct about any kind of deal surrounding like i said a sale or, or new tv rights or, or whatever without him being involved in the deal again yeah and i agree yeah th- we don't we do not in any way condone his actions no gosh no yeah but it goes back to what i said a long time ago about vince mcmahon is that he was going to die running this company and uh, I just said that before all this stuff came to light. And there was one time I thought that they were never going to sell it and they were going to sell it over his dead body. Now it looks like it's going to be sold at some point, either the rights or the whole entire company itself, because he knows he's 77 and knows his future is not as long as it once was running the company. But I knew something big like that wasn't going to happen without him being somewhat involved. And now he, we know for a fact that he's directly involved in the future of the WWE. Or non-future of the WWE. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. Indeed. But what are your thoughts out there on Vince McMahon, despite all the controversies and all the stuff that went down in 2022, coming back to the WWE Board of Directors in 2023? Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com.
with my friend a little bit more to talk about before we head on out velma and the last of us debut this week on hbo and hbo max i'm excited for both being a scooby-doo fan and also as well a naughty dog fan that loves the last of us and of course the uncharted series the last of us has been much talked about as far as recreating a great deal of what went on in the very highly acclaimed video games. We'll start with The Last of Us first. Your thoughts on Pedro Pascal stepping into the role of Joel and a young actress who plays Ellie. From what I've seen in the scene so far, seems to be doing a you know, really, really credible job. But your thoughts on The Last of Us as it hits HBO Max. So correct me if I'm wrong, but the girl playing Ellie was in Game of Thrones, right? I believe so. Yeah, I remember like standing up and applauding at one of the speeches that she gave in front of Jon Snow. So I am excited to see that actress. Bella Ramsey. I'm very excited to see her take on this role. I think that she's going to nail it. I think she has chops and I don't think that she's going to disappoint fans of the game. She has already spent her time in the House of Westeros uh, with part of Game of Thrones and this is her next big adventure. The video game has been one of the greatest video game collections between The Last of Us and The Last of Us 2 of the past, well, actually this century. It's been one of the most highly acclaimed set of games this century. And I think that puts a lot of pressure on them to go ahead and produce at HBO a extremely good quality show. So that's what I'm I'm kind of worried about is that they will not be able to live up to that. I'm not asking for Emmys. I'm just asking for something really solid that it will actually be a great representation of the video game because this is not like Gears of War or this is not like uh, Sonic where you have a certain level of expectation. Just make it just make it decent. That's all you need to really make it decent and and the the audience will come. When it comes to The Last of Us, I think people are expecting something more. Yeah, people are expecting this to be fantastic because the video games are so beloved. And I just have a really good feeling about it. The actors that are in the roles are correct. And I finally have some time. So I'll be able to uh, actually stay current with these new shows as they drop. So I'm I'm excited to be able to do that too. Yeah. All right. So maybe on the next show, we'll be able to talk about it. Yeah, sounds great. All right. Sounds great indeed. Velma, one of the awesome side characters in the scooby-doo lore but she is now front and center her character has been reimagined by mindy kaling who has been just one of the great sensational comedians of this century with the office and so much more but she has re-envisioned the velma character to a modern age with her own series of mystery hunting that is debuting on hbo max and hbo this week so your thoughts on velma before we head on out I've always enjoyed Velma, and uh, I always thought that she was one of the more underrated <laughs> members of the Scooby-Doo gang. Now, Linda um, Cardellini, I think, uh, in the Scooby-Doo movies, I thought she killed it as Velma. Yeah, she really did. And looked enough, I think, like the the animated character mm-hmm. to really be able to pull it off. But no, I'm I'm excited for the series. I will be tuning in. I think it's really a, a really strong sign to see Velma reimagined for a modern age. But in honor of her... I thought you and I could go ahead and give out a jinkies. So jinkies for Velma. Okay. Ready? Yes. You ready? Hang on. I got a jinkies, Scoob. There you go. See, that's much better than mine. I do a better. <laughs> Zoinks! Yes, there it is. Yeah. I do a better shaggy. Okay. Yes. <laughs> hey, Fred, man, we got to go down and go get some food, man. Scoob, are you hungry, man? We need some Scooby snacks, man. <laughs> It's it's pretty good. Yeah, I, I, one time I was actually looking into possibly you know trying out for a role, but then they gave it to Matthew Lillard, who's voiced the role yeah. pretty much well, constantly over the past. There few you years. go. My girls loved it every time I read them a bedtime story with the Scooby Doo. There, yeah, so, awesome. Every, but I used to do it in in Shaggy's voice the entire thing. So yeah. Oh, that's amazing. But once again, <laughs> if you have thoughts on Velma, Jinkies, it's time for Velma. And The Last of Us on HBO Max. Please share us your thoughts if you're excited for those shows upcoming this week. Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, 
the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip, or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. But before we head on out, Gladiator 2 is now a go. Ridley Scott is getting back to a sequel, which has always been talked about. But I don't know if the audience wants it, but I know it's been talked about. And I know behind the scenes it's been talked about. Ridley Scott hired Paul Mescal to star in this Gladiator sequel. Because obviously Russell Crowe is kind of dead in the movie. Because, right. you know. Spoilers, if you haven't seen this 23-year-old movie. <laughs> right. Yes, kind of dead. Yeah. So Paul Mescal is going to bring up a sequel. Was this a good move that Ridley Scott has gone back to? I know Ridley Scott is finishing out his directorial career. And he's finishing up the dotting the I's and crossing the T's in the Blade Runner series. And the Alien series. And some other things. And Gladiator is one of his biggest success stories. Academy Award winner for Best Picture. It's a great movie, in my opinion. I know some others think, eh, it's not. Should, something else should have won that year. I think it's a great movie. I think it's well-deserving of what it what it's earned and what it's, what's been thought of. I think it's actually, if you got that on the on an incredible sound system, it truly is a, an experience. Your thoughts on a sequel to Gladiator. Is it truly necessary? It might not be necessary, but I want it. Okay. I was one of the stands of the the very first movie. I was all about it. I love that period of history, Greek Roman history. Like I, I love all of that. I think it's a fascinating period where it was brutal. It was ugly. It was, uh, it, it was just, it, it could be horrible, but at the same time, some of our best philosophers, some of our best thinkers, uh, a lot of the stuff that we're still using in our modern day, right down to the calendars, came out of that time period. And I just think that when you have a movie that shows you both the beauty of the period and it also shows a lot of the gritty brutality of it. And I think that they did it very well with Gladiator. And I'm hoping for something close, not the same story, but something that will show the layers of uh, that time period very well. And I'm not saying don't ever go back to that time period for Ridley Scott. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, it is a, a very romanticized, pardon the pun, with a Rome romanticized yes. part of it. But making it a sequel to Gladiator, I couldn't have just said like it's an offshoot, maybe talking about some of the events in the movie or relating somewhat distant to it. It just seems like if this is a direct sequel to Gladiator, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to fly. I just think it's carrying a lot of weight. We talked about this earlier in the show about something carrying a lot of weight heading into production, like with The Last of Us. I really think that's a tall order that maybe it, it didn't need to, especially with an unknown actor in Paul Mescal leading it up. Well, I mean, an unknown actor and having an opportunity to be in part two of a gladiator series, I, I think is something that you simply couldn't turn down. I couldn't imagine being like, Hey, so we, we want to do is, you know, the movie gladiator. Yeah. We want to do that again. And we want you to star in it. How could you say no to something like that? No, you can't say no as an actor, but sometimes as I'll talk about at the end of the show, sometimes <laughs> decision made on sequels and things of that nature really weren't that bright in hindsight. Sure. So. sure. But you know, if, even if they, largely rehash the same kind of story in gladiator 2 i'm still gonna see it and i'm still gonna be thrilled to be watching it fair enough fair yeah. enough indeed so what are your thoughts out there on a sequel to gladiator it's already a go a lead actor has been hired and ridley scott looks like he's going to get closer to the end of his directorial career with another shot at gladiator what are, are you not entertained are you not entertained so good I'm so excited it is so good. I, I'm not going to ever tell anybody any different on Gladiator. It's a truly a tremendous film, and I enjoyed it thoroughly. Are you entertained for a sequel? Let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. But before we head on out, and before I give you a chance to go ahead and plug anything that you want to or any mm -hmm. thoughts, 
wanted to go ahead and let you know i actually had the chance i just you know youtube hits me with that algorithm every now and then i had a chance to go ahead in the background and check out 15 years of the worst of with Siskel and Ebert, Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert, the Chicago movie reviewers who had their own successful syndicated show for almost 20 years, seemingly, I believe. In fact, that longer with Roger Ebert after Gene Siskel passed away. So I'm just going year by year by year. I'm seeing these trends in Hollywood over and over again just <laughs> regurgitating out as far as i keep on ending up in, on their bad list i did have some disagreements i thought starship troopers was actually a good film mm -hmm. uh, i thought there were a couple others like the adam sandler movies i know the adam sandler movies for a lot of them are bad and get raked over but i thought the water boy and happy gilmore have obviously made money and helped define a legacy for adam sandler as far as a comedic individual but when it comes to watching the trends and sequels and the traps that entertainment industry in the 80s and 90s kept falling themselves into, and the stars themselves, I forgot that Robin Williams made so many bad movies and Demi Moore made so many bad movies in the 80s and 90s. And Sly Stallone, I remember him making a lot of bad <laughs> movies in the 80s and 90s. Burt Reynolds, I remember making a lot of bad movies, 80s and 90s. Chevy Chase after Fletch. I remember that. See, I mm. remember some actors yeah. being on these lists each and every year making these turkeys, but I did not remember some of them that didn't. So it was very surprising to see them on these worst up lists. It's just interesting to see how the movie entertainment industry did and did not evolve in 20 years from 1980 to 2000. Can you predict what cycle we're in now based off of that historical data? I think these entertainment companies have learned some lessons, but mm -hmm. not all of them. Because sequelitis is still there, as yep. you and I both know. Sometimes it works out with Avatar 2, The Way of Water, and sometimes it doesn't. And I think the, the overall lesson to be learned is who are you getting to write these films? Who are you getting to write these stories and craft these stories? And are you sitting in a room and actually going over if this is a good idea and if this is a good script? That, I think, is the most important thing. I think Hollywood has gotten better at that as the movies have gotten more expensive to make. But still, there are mistakes made each and every year. There are flops each and every year. But at some point in time, I think that process is getting a little bit better than what they were just spewing out in the 80s and 90s because the 80s and 90s had a ton of crap see it's like Wii shovelware when you had the nintendo wii and there was like ten thousand games for it and a, you know like nine thousand of them were really trashy this yes. reminds me of that 80s and 90s every year about how bad movies can get there were some great movies obviously there were some great movies and that i loved tremendously over the course of that time but man there was a lot of schlock in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, there really was. And I probably enjoyed a lot of the bad ones. I have a tendency to do that and I don't know why. I don't know if it's just me on my quest to become a contrarian professionally or, or what the story is. But for some reason, a lot of those bad movies in the 80s and 90s, I was all about. Well, I'll tell you what out there. I'll tell you and everybody out there. If you want to get a chance, check out YouTube. Just type in Siskel Niebuhr, best of or worst of. And you'll get all those episodes they did over the years. And you can decide for yourself exactly what's bad, what's good, what the mistakes were made, the careers. For a lot of these individuals, a lot of them were able to overcome all those bad movies and still able to succeed. And some, unfortunately, fell by the wayside. Yeah, I wonder if we went back and looked at their worst lists. I wonder if any of those movies, in retrospect, became you know, like those cult classics, because there was a lot of those cult classics start out on worst of lists, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And there were there were a couple that that were mentioned that did become cult hits again, like Starship Troopers. Mm -hmm. That has become a cult hit that has become a Clue. financial success for Sony. Super Mario Brothers. We saw that that movie was trashed upon its release. That's become a cult movie in and of itself. The Wizard, the video game movie that was with Fred Savage. Right. Yeah, that became a cult classic. And that was a really trash movie and that was also on their worst up list so yeah there is a few movies you would recognize that were either big budget hits at the time or became 
successes based off of cult classic status later on. Something to do later. So check it out today on YouTube, the works and remnants of Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert and how they were much a part of our time. The movie critics, which Josh has not grown to love now. And I know he talks about critic culture and cannot stand it. But I think it all stems from Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert and the way they dominated the entertainment industry in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, absolutely. But my friend, it's been a great episode. You've been tremendous always. Any last thoughts? before we head on out. My goodness. Well, we got a couple of things. So, and one of them I need to talk about it because it's become a tradition ever since I'm going to say the early 2000s. So like 2004, 2005, the weeks between Christmas and New Year's, I guess it goes slightly past New Year's. We watch the World Junior Hockey Championships, the IIHF World Junior Hockey Championships. And we watched it again this year. It was in my hometown of Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. And Team Canada took the gold medal this year. So congratulations to everyone involved from the players to the coaches to the volunteers who helped run everything to all of the fans who showed up for every single game. And the enthusiasm from the crowd was like every single game was a gold medal game. So it was really cool to see my hometown represent like that. And obviously, again, congratulations to Team Canada taking back-to-back gold medals at the World Juniors this year. So we put things on hold, we rest, we catch our breath, and we get ready for next Christmas. That's but there are more vampires in Vitae and Wild Beyond the Witchlight coming soon. Yes, absolutely. We are back to our live streams tomorrow, starting at 1.30 Pacific Standard Time. And tomorrow's episode is the finale in this mini campaign that we've been running. So it promises to be full of drama, promises to be full of action, as most of the final episodes are. And next week, that means we get back into our regular campaign. So we're going to get back to Esther, Leo, Liam, and Helen. And Sean, who's been involved in the mini campaign as well as Wizards and Wine, is going to be joining us for the main campaign for season two for Vampires and Vitae. So we're super excited about that. So glad to have him on board. For Wizards and Wine, we get back to it Monday night with the Las Vegas table, and they are still dealing with the political intrigue of the soggy court. So we're going to get back into that Monday night, starting at 7.30 again, Pacific Standard Time on YouTube. And I hear that there are actually new episodes of Demolition Force now available in the archives and the video for Pop Culture Cosmos. Very happy to see that. Big shout out to the entire Monday crew, including yourself there. And also a big shout out, speaking of Canada, to Buddy Gold, the radio manager for Croc Radio in Canada. Kimberly's great station. Asked him if he knew Melinda Barkhouse Ross, the <laughs> Canadian radio personality. He said he was excited to hear that you're a part of the pop culture cosmos, as we are excited to have you here. Always. Well, happy to be here, for sure. For Absolutely. sure. For sure. Okay. Uh, I'm not Canadian, so I don't want to play one on TV. And I'll just, you know, I, our countries will actually become a greater divide after I would go ahead no, and say anything. So, not yeah. even. If there's one thing, and I'm going to say most Canadians, because I don't want to speak for everyone, but the one thing that we are very good at is poking fun at ourselves. So okay. you're, you're probably fine. That's good, eh? Yeah. Let's see. Perfect. Okay. Change your A to a hey once in a while, and it's going to be very hard to tell that you're not Canadian. As a it's so of funny fact. because one of our good friends of the show is Rob McCallum and mm-hmm. Jay Bartlett, especially Rob McCallum, who lived here in the United States for a time, and he migrated back to Canada. I noticed his accent migrated back into <laughs> Rob a little bit more now that he's been back in Canada. I just yeah. funny how that it works out. So yeah, yeah. it's really it's funny how much now I can hear the East Coast accent, especially when I have the Halifax table for Wizards and Wine sometimes. And it, it just catch the odd word. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, I'm so desensitized to it now. It's crazy. So great to have you here. So looking forward to our conversations on Friday. So Get prepared on the greatest singers of all time. The two is it 200 greatest singers of all time? Gosh, I think that was the list. Yeah, that Rolling yeah. Stone did. Not oh, yeah. controversial at all, Rolling Stone. No, no. I will tell you who will do some singing. It is Melinda Barkhouse Ross. <laughs> She's going to be singing in a rant on Rolling Stone's 200 greatest voices of all time. That's coming up on the Friday show, the PC Multiverse. You are not one happy gal. Well, I'm just, I'm I'm confused about a few things and I need some space to air out my confusion a little bit. That's all. Oh, and you will air it out (laughs) this Friday on the PCC Multiverse. So for Melinda Barkhouse Ross, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pub 
Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great Listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.